It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome into this Monday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, we'll recap what we saw from the Falcons yesterday and the Buccaneers. We'll also talk about the poor officiating. I'm trying to be charitable here. And, and I told you so as Debo is gone. All next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to YouTube.com, put a search in that in that search browser, put Locked On Sports Atlanta, hit that subscribe button when you get there, leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download us, leave us a five star review for free today. Also, don't forget Roku and Amazon Fire. You can check us out now on all of those platforms. So, if you want to get your content there, check us out there, and of course. At JMCH316 is my Twitter page. Well, look, Falcons lose yesterday in Tampa Bay. A hard-fought game, 21-15. Okay, let's, before we get really into it or anything like that, okay, let's make sure that we say three things at the very top of this description, okay? Make sure you're listening. Don't hear me. Listen to what I have to say. Number one. The Falcons did not lose that game because of the awful call against Grady Jarrett on Tom Brady's sack. That's not one of the reasons they lost. Number two, they also did not lose that game because they didn't have Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson. Number three, they didn't lose that game because of how poorly Marcus Mariota played at times in that game. They had plenty of other things going on in that game. So let's talk about some of the good. They ran the football again effectively, 161, uh, sorry, 151 yards on 31 carries, averaged 4.9 yards per attempt. Now, Mariota's yards per attempt were, you know, higher than everybody else, but still, you got some good contributions in the running game. Huntley gave you 34 yards. Algier averaged three and a half yards per attempt, Huntley over four. So they were fine in their running game. What I didn't like is the fact that It was 31 rushing attempts and 25 pass attempts. Didn't really like that. And then when you add in the five sacks that Mariota took, now you're almost an even split. I didn't like the philosophy about what we were doing offensively out there. So wasn't excited about that, but they did run the football effectively. Did the Falcons offensive line play well? Eh, we'll take a look at some of the pro football focus numbers when, when they all come out. But I thought it was a mixed bag. Thought Elijah Wilkinson had some struggles in that game yesterday. Uh, some penalties that hurt them, you know, obviously. But this is not an offensive line whose best attribute is pass protection. And everybody knows that going in. 
So I didn't like the fact that they got away from what has made them so successful. And you did see at times, right, on the one drive where after they'd been hucking it around and they weren't getting any success, remember that touchdown drive, you know, six plays, get themselves, you know, in the end zone for it. So, yeah, I thought the offensive line was okay, but I don't think they ever got a chance to really get into rhythm. Defensive line didn't get enough done against Brady. And you get enough done. You know, Brady doesn't get credit for that sack because of the penalty. So you take that away. They had no sacks on Tom Brady. He'd been sacked seven times in the first four weeks. So didn't think they played well. That linebacking core, they could not take away the underneath stuff for some of their, you know, the Godwins and Leonard Fournette was catching a whole crap ton of passes. I mean, he ended up with 10 catches on for 83 yards. I didn't think they were terrible on Evans and some of those guys, but, you know, Godwin caught plenty of stuff underneath. Fournette just kept getting free and loose. There are so many other things about what hurt. Look, so, okay, now that we've gotten through that, let, let's do the I hate Mariota segment of this talk, right? Okay, this, this is the problem where you get into. When you're not a great football team and, and how a play here and there can swing momentum, right? Let's talk about that end of first half. So, yes, Mariota takes the, you know, gets the sack and the fumble, and he loses 10 yards on the play. This is the whole missed field goal, okay? So, second down, he fumbles it, loses 10 yards. Now you've got third and 20. Now you got third and 20, and you're backed up. Now you have to throw, and, of course, it's incomplete. Koo comes in and misses a 52-yard field goal. So here's what that fumble does. Here's the dominoes that all come into play, right? Down in distance, we go from second and 10 to third and 20. Not high percentages. And it also moved your field goal team back. So instead of a pretty manageable field goal, now you get into that sort of danger zone when you're over 50 yards. 50 yarders are not automatic from kickers in any league. So missing 52, yeah, Ku will make some of those, but he'll miss some of those as well. Certainly giving him that extra 10 yards makes you feel better about what he could do. And when you miss a field goal from that distance, guess what? The Buccaneers with three timeouts get the ball close to midfield. Hell, they only needed a few plays to go down to be able to kick a field goal themselves. So while the fumble wasn't a turnover, it's a play that leads to a series of dominoes that fall down in distance, can't convert third down, miss the field goal. They get good field position, can't stop them underneath. They don't need many yards. They kick a field goal. And that kind of swing in a football game is a difference between why you win and why you lose. So. I'm not blaming Mariota for the loss, but it's those kinds of plays that drive you bat crap crazy. It's like protect the football. Don't lose another 10 yards when you're in field goal range. Don't take a sack and a strip fumble in those situations. Keep it manageable. And they didn't. And it led to missed field goal, good field position, beat, bada boop, bada bop, bop, bop. It's all of those kinds of frustrating things. Now, we'll talk about the officiating thing again because it was horrendous. It was horrendous. But even if you get the sack on Brady, 
They're going to punt it way down, and you have to march the length of the field to score a touchdown. You feel really confident that your quarterback in that offense, given the way that they played, Mariota didn't hit 100 passing yards in that game until I think it was close to the fourth quarter. Took him 21 passes to finally get to 100 yards in that game. And their running game was kind of grinding, but we weren't picking up big chunks of yards, and we weren't just running right down the field on the Buccaneers' defense. So, look, there are plenty of things to dissect in, in all that out there. You know, London was fine, but he did nothing special. The Hodge drop was huge. You know, Kadero Hodge dropping that little screen pass where he could have gone whoop right downfield and probably scored a touchdown on that play. Those are those little plays. You know, Hodge dropping a ball, changing down in distance when you're in field goal range. Those little things, they don't seem like much in the box score. You look at the box score and you say, oh, well, this and that. But it's those little plays that are the difference between why you're in position to win and why you don't win a football game. And that's the frustration. That's where your talent and cleaning things up has to come into play. But I give the Falcons credit. They were down 21-0, fought, scratched, and called their way back. I thought Tampa Bay, honestly, I don't know. They didn't do enough offense. Brady was efficient. They were just kind of running it. They're probably pretty fortunate Brady didn't really get a chance to try to dial a score on them. I'll give the Falcons defense some credit. There were some times, especially that one fourth down series, where they held them and got the turnover on downs. thought the defense played fine. If you'd have told me that they would have held the Buccaneers to only 21 points in that game yesterday, I'd have taken that all day long. I'd have taken every bit of that. But a play here and a play there and a misplay here, and it's the one, two, three, four little plays that all of a sudden add up to not being able to win a football game. All right, I want to talk about my friends over at Bet Online. Listen, we're neck deep in it now. We're halfway through college football season. You got your trends and information going. We're more than a quarter of the way through the uh, NFL season now, right? Baseball playoffs, they've been rolling right along. How about the Mets? How'd they do over the weekend? Oh, sorry. Anyway, listen, head to betonline.net. It is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. You want to get in on the action? Simple. Take your mobile device, head to betonline.net. Esports, betting news, podcasts, stats, all of the information that you need to be smarter when it comes to sports wagering information is available at betonline.net. You can get in on the action there no matter what your betting proclivities are. Football, baseball, guess what? NBA regular season right around the corner. So you'll have all of that as well. We'll be neck deep in everything. Baseball playoffs rolling right along, right? We neck deep in all of that. Head to betonline.net today. Use that mobile device. Check out the information. Betonline.net is where the action starts. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals 
and free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So look, I know yesterday at the end of that game, especially the officiating was horrendous, right? And, and by the way, it's not just one call. We'll kind of go over all of this here. Not just one call. The officiating at the end of that game was horrendous. Now, here's my stance when we get into these kinds of things, okay? I know it's easy to blame referees for wins and losses and things like that, but every team deals with the same nonsense. Now, maybe Brady gets more of the benefit of the doubt than than other players do. I'll give you that. But still, plenty of nonsensical things that go on over the course of a football game from an officiating standpoint, any sport really at this point. Who knows? Maybe everybody's talking about robot umpires. What about robot officials? Maybe the NFL needs to bring robot officials back. Um, you know, bring some bring some of those back. Problem is, I know what happens is Will Smith has to go out there and kill all the robots and everything, so it doesn't end well. But anyway, look, here's the reality of the situation. Okay, go with the three plays that were most affected by officiating. Officiating's not did not lose you that game yesterday. That's not why the Falcons lost. You get the sack on Brady. Grady gets a sack. He gets it in the stat sheet. They punt the football away, and they're going to pin you back deep because if the, they weren't, like, way backed up in their own territory, they're going to pin the Falcons fairly deep, and the Falcons have to go the length of the field. Falcons had to have a touchdown drive, okay? And if you watch the Falcons' two-minute offense, we ain't exactly like the most efficient team that's out there. So anyway, okay, let's start first with what I thought was really bad, too, was the A.J. Terrell call on the defensive holding where he didn't hold. He was within five yards. I I don't get that play. So that's the play that really sucked because that gives them an automatic first down. Even if it's only a five-yard penalty, it's changing down and distance, right? That's a drastic penalty. Then we go to the, you know, the the following play. And look, I I know people are going to argue about this. You can watch enough angles to see. That was a pass interference, I believe it was D. Alford on the receiver for the Buccaneers. The ball was in bounds enough. He didn't look back well enough, okay? It's not like the play earlier where it was Hayward, I believe it was, who got his whole body turned around and found the football and all that kind of stuff. There was a pass interference that was missed there, okay? I'll give you all of that. And then the sack on on Brady, obviously, Grady's late. Now, first off, here's the good news. We could pretty much pencil in now because it's been, what, three weeks in a row? Just go ahead and pencil in your end-of-game sack for Grady Jarrett to change things up now because, again, he's having an outstanding year. But this is my problem with the call on Grady on that sack. This feels like, well, the A.J. Terrell play felt like the officials were waiting to throw that flag all game long. Let's find the right scenario to bail somebody out. That's what that felt like. I'm not saying they did. I'm just saying it felt like that kind of scenario. My problem is with the Grady sack, this felt like a complete overreaction for where we're at right now. And I know they're talking about reading the interpretation of the rule and stuff like that. We just saw a quarterback in Miami who got up, stumbled, staggered, couldn't walk, stayed in the game. And then four days later, turns right back around and, oh, yeah, I was trotting right back out there. And he snaps his head on the turf, has to be carted out, sent to the hospital. And you got the head coach saying, oh, yeah, we watched McGruber on the plane together. It was all great. He's fine. He's great. We watched McGruber. It was all wonderful. That was a bad look for the NFL. And I know they're trying to protect quarterbacks. 
But all of that felt like, when in doubt, give the quarterback the benefit of the doubt so that we can protect him. That's my problem with it. It felt like that they were looking at that play is, hey, we have to err on the side of quarterbacks. Not, let's play tackle football. Not, guess what? Guys are running 100 miles an hour and going to get hit. It was, we have to overreact and protect the quarterback in that situation. It was a dreadful call. I mean, there's no way for the league, I don't care what, the, the referee was in a scrum, media scrum, at the end of the game. And he said, well, based upon the rule, and he said, of course, he's, what, what's he going to say? I blew it? You think an NFL official is going to come out with a potential of suspension or a fine and say, I blew it? Of course he's not. He'll make the league go investigate it and figure out if he had the right call. And if he doesn't have the right call, if he didn't feel like it was the right call, then guess what? You should always err on the side of not calling it. But because of who it is and the position that person plays and all this, that, and the other, and the emphasis after we saw a quarterback for the Dolphins have his head snapped twice, probably has permanent damage now because we just keep trotting him out there. You know, the NFL don't have a problem with all that, but they got a problem if you don't, you know, if you roll with a quarterback on a, on a tackle, that's a big problem, but it's an overreaction. If that, I'll be honest with you, if that was Geno Smith, you probably don't get that call. That call probably doesn't go. Grady sacks Geno Smith in that same scenario. That call probably doesn't happen, but it's Tampa, it's Tom, it's everything else. And erring on the side of, we have to make sure we protect our quarterback at all costs in this game. It sucks. It completely changed what direction the game was going. It's not the reason, you know, if you throw darts at the board and say, what's the, it's not the reason that the Falcons lost that game. But there's no way for the league or for anybody to be able to sweep it away. And Brady was asked about it after the game. His comment was, why don't throw the flag? Okay, thanks, Tom. You know, how about stand up for the players? How about make people that, listen, hey, it's tackle football. Things are going to happen. How about Tom kicking Grady when he got up on that play? That wasn't a penalty either. That's that's the thing. It just is frustrating when you watch a play like that because you know when it's that guy involved. Look, if Grady had done that to Aaron Rodgers, it'd be a penalty. If he did it to Josh Allen, it'd be a penalty. If he did it to Tua now, that'd be a penalty. If he did it to Lamar, that'd be a penalty. If he did it to Geno Smith, wouldn't be a penalty. If he did it to Tyler Heineke, wouldn't be a penalty. And the top players get their benefits of the doubt, right? It's no different than basketball, baseball, football. The superstars and the stars of the league get their benefits of the doubt. And he got the benefit of the doubt of that. And I think the NFL, we probably don't have the memo, but you think the NFL hasn't told officials, hey, man, look, and I know they changed the concussion protocol. If a guy, okay, great. Guy stands up and he's, you know, goofy. He's going to be out of the game. You know what you tell your players? Stay down. Don't even get up. If you feel anything, don't get up. We'll come get you. We'll figure it out. But don't stand up. I can't afford to lose you, especially if you're my quarterback. Can't afford to lose you. Stay down. So I guarantee the NFL made an emphasis of you got a guy that's goofy. Don't let these guys, you know, ragdoll them around and this and the other. It's ridiculous and absurd. And I there's no defense of it. It's 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 mind-blowing to kind of watch. You know, when you watch some of these things that you think are so egregious and there's nothing that gets done. See, my problem is going to be this. There's no fallout to this. 
is this referee going to get suspended for a week or two? Is he going to lose a game or two's worth of checks out of all of it? Is something, is, is there going to be a reprimand from the league? And by the way, it needs to be public. Not just we we had a private conversation when we flew him up to New York, had a private conversation saying, don't do that again. No, reprimand him. We understand with humans that you're going to screw some things up. The problem is when you don't acknowledge it. The problem is when you sit there and say, well, you know, by the definition of the rule, when you throw that malarkey out to all of us, when you throw that gobbledygook out to all of us, nobody's buying that. It's all nonsense. So it sucks. You know, I understand there's an overreaction out of protecting quarterbacks, but if something, if, if everybody knows a bad call and something isn't going to be done, then that's where my frustration is going to come in. That's where I'm going to get frustrated. Just admit that it was a screwed up call, like everybody knows, and move on from there. All right, don't forget you can find us on Roku and Amazon Fire. Don't forget, hit us up on one of your favorite podcast platforms. Download us for free, Spotify and Odyssey, and check us out on our YouTube page at Locked On Sports Atlanta. So the Falcons did make another big roster move last night. Let's see. Did they did they activate Marlon? No, they didn't do that. Okay. Well, Jalen Mayfield, they must have activated. No, no, they didn't do that. Well, we know Isaiah Oliver was back at practice. What about, let's see, who was the other big name that was coming back? Oh, yeah, Deion Jones. Remember him? Remember months back when we tried to explain, and many of you wanted to argue with me about Deion Jones and all this and the other. So let's start with the facts. First off, Deion Jones was traded last night to the Cleveland Browns. So the rich get richer, right? So Dion and a seventh round pick go to the Browns. The Falcons get a sixth round pick back. Okay, now let's go through a few things. Number one, I've been telling you, this is not about compensation. The Falcons were never, ever going to get anything back from Dion. The whole league knew that they wanted to trade him. The league knew that he wasn't going to play for him. And let's face it, his value is not what you think. NFL trades do not bring back big value, okay? You don't have blockbuster NFL trades. Rarely, unless you got a guy in the prime of his career, rarely are you finding blockbuster trades that bring you back any sort of value, right? Dion's not right now a high-value player. So I told you that they wouldn't cut. Let's go back months ago. Let's go back in the summertime. What, May to early June, right? And remember I talked about the whole, this whole thing started with, how they scheduled his surgery. Remember that simple, little, easy, nothing to it cleanup surgery that just magically got scheduled for mandatory, let's all say it together, mandatory mini camp when the players have to be there and the media will be there because it's open. That's what, not February, not during the playoffs because the Falcons weren't a playoff team, not before the draft, not on St. Patty's Day, not on Arbor Day. They waited until mandatory minicamp. Then they just, oh, well, you know, now that the media's here and we got and everybody has to be here, you don't worry about during OTAs. You could be there, not be there, right? But mandatory mini, let's get them in. And then we, okay, we get through all that. Oh, guess what? Training camp, all that's coming up. Cool. He's recovering. He's recovering from, remember that. You know, it's just a quick, simple cleanup. It's no big deal. Oh no, no, we got, we got. It. He's on. He's. We're, we're put him on the pup list for training camp and preseason, all that. Then they get a chance to showcase him for a little bit for teams in the Jacksonville game, right? 
comes back, comes off the pup list, healthy, ready to go, plays a whole quarter plus against Jacksonville. Oh, it's time for the regular season. Ooh, my arm. My arm's broken. My arm's, my, something's wrong with my arm. My arm's broken. And it goes to IR. Now, what we talk about last week with Isaiah Oliver, Oliver said, we had the discussion about, I could have done this week to week. I didn't have to go on IR. I could have come back sooner. But we thought that that's all a business decision. That's the Falcons' business decision. When Arthur Smith tells you, oh, yeah, it's player safety and all, that's all malarkey. If a guy's ready and he can help the team, he'll be on the field. And what have we said for the longest time here, for months and months? None of this is just random coincidence happenstance. None of this. I've tried to tell you, Zeno's tried to tell you, Jarvis and Tanitra have tried to tell you that he wasn't going to play for the Falcons again. He's not a fit for what Dean Pease wants to do. He's not their guy. He's not. It's not his salary and all this, that, and the other. Has nothing to do with it. If he was if he was a guy that they thought could really help their football team, he'd be here today. They don't look at him as a guy who can fit the role that they need for that defense to really help them out. It's as simple as that. It's Pease, it's Smith, it's Fontenot, it's all of these guys that this is what we want, looking for philosophy, this, that, and the other, and he doesn't fit that. Not that he's a bad player, not that he's a bad guy, not that he's no good, but for what they want. And, and this these things just don't happen in a vacuum. You know, we'll see again this week. Mayfield's eligible to come off again. Marlon Davidson's eligible to come off. You think we're going to see either one of those guys? You think we're you think they're going to you think come Wednesday they're going to be running out on the field of practice this week? Think we're going to see either one of those guys? No, they're going to wait to see what they can do with that. It's not coincidence that Oliver came back because he can help them. And it's not coincidence that Debo went to IR. And what do we tell you? Here we are. One week after he was eligible to come off of IR, he's traded. One week, not a few months later, not when we get through the season, not right at the trade deadline, not after he's played a few games. It's surgery, recovery, pup list, IR, traded. That doesn't just happen in a vacuum. That doesn't just luckily kind of work itself out like that. It's all been calculated. This was always going to happen. There was never any doubt about the fact that Dion was never going to play a regular season snap for the Atlanta Falcons. And again, not because he's a bad guy or he's a turd or he doesn't like the organization or this, any other. They don't look at him as a fit. Now, you can evaluate whether you think that's right or wrong or whatever like that. You know, at some point, if Kyle Pitts doesn't come back and start producing, when are we going to have the conversation about should it have been Micah Parsons or Kyle Pitts? I know people don't want to have that conversation or Panay Sewell for that matter, but we won't worry about that now. Different discussion for another day. Because now we're 22 games with only one touchdown out of the unicorn. But, okay, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. Let's get back to the Deion Jones on, on everything. This was always going to happen. And I knew that they wouldn't get any compensation for him. This was fine to deal. By the way, let's talk about the restructure. Remember when we told you weeks ago, the only reason they restructured his contract was to make him easy to trade because the Browns are picking up a million bucks or whatever for him. Falcons are going to eat a whole bunch of money. 
Falcons are fine with eating a whole bunch of money. They have the cap space. It doesn't affect them. It ain't like they need all this cap space this year to go out and sign Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. They've got cap space. If they wanted to bring a free agent in off the street, they could do that. And they may do that now. They may go get themselves another defensive lineman or something like that and bring them in off the street. But the cap didn't really matter for this year. He was allocated. They had the money, this, any other. Okay, you eat some of it. Who cares? Your roster is your roster at this point. You might add a piece or something like that. You, you, they elevated a guy from the practice squad to move here, Mickey Mouse it here. Okay, fine. But he was never going to play. And he wasn't the guy, wasn't the fit for what they wanted. It's that simple. There's no need to overthink this. When, when your head coach came out and told you it's going to be hard for him to get on the field and find playing time, that was your ding, 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 ding moment that said, whoops, wait a second. Dion ain't going to be here. And guess what? Here we are one week after he was eligible to come off of IR that he's traded, and now he's a Cleveland Brown. All right, we thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Trucker your first listen every day. Make ATL Day 1s your second listen every day. That's my friends Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste, talking about all things in the heart of the city of Atlanta. Check them out free and available on our YouTube page at Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review there. Amazon Fire, Roku, guess what? You can check us out now. We are available on all of those platforms. Rate and review us there as well. And, of course, hit me up at JMCH316 on my Twitter page. We'll get ready for Braves baseball. Phillies and Braves come up early tomorrow afternoon. Talk about that tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.